2: Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild play tonight, Skylark.
0: The starring players... This is Ginger Rogers. This is Preston Foster. And this is Alan Jossman.
2: Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players in an adaptation of Paramount Pictures' delightful comedy of the advertising business, Skylark, by Samson Raphaelson. It stars Ginger Rogers as Lydia Kenyon, Preston Foster as her husband, Tony Kenyon, account executive of a big advertising agency, and Alan Jocelyn as Jim Blake. (laughs) Our story begins. Tony and Lydia Kenyon are celebrating their fifth wedding anniversary. Most of the guests have arrived, and Lydia is on her way up to Tony's room to hurry him with his dressing. She stops a moment to talk to her
0: butler. Oh, Theodore. Yes, madam?
3: Have you hidden all the luckies, Chesterfields and Camels?
0: Oh, yes, madam. When we have guests, I always remember that red Cap cigarettes is one of Mr. Kenyon's largest clients. 300,000 a year in advertising. And as the saying is, madam, <clears throat> that ain't hay.
3: I wouldn't be too sure. Did you ever smoke a red-cap cigarette? And, Theodore, did you put Abercrombie's soap in all the bathrooms? Oh,
0: yes, madam. The useful little cake in the lavender wrapper.
3: Now, what do you suppose we can do about Valentine's dog food? We can't just put it on the piano with a sign reading, Help yourself, can we? Oh,
0: heaven forbid, madam.
3: Theodore... Spread on a cracker, wouldn't it look a great deal like chopped liver? Madam! Oh, it was just a thought. Well, see what you can do. I've got to hurry, Mr. Kenyon. Tony!
4: Don't say another word. I feel a kiss coming on. Well, how does it feel to be married to a mug like me for five years?
3: Well, I think I'm going to like it.
4: Well, don't let me rush you, babe. Just take your time.
3: (laughs) All right, but I've got to rush you. The horsemeat twins have arrived.
4: Are you referring to Mr. and Mrs. Valentine? Valentine? Lydia, you mustn't forget that Fred Valentine is my biggest advertising account. And I'm going to land an even bigger account from him tonight if we can only handle Myrtle Valentine right. You know, uh, Lydia, I think she wants us to give her our cook.
3: I know. She's hinted to me about it. Hinted? Yes, she said, you know, Mrs. Kenyon, you have a wonderful cook. And then she burped. (laughs) Finally, she just came right out and asked for
4: Well, what did you do about it?
3: Oh, I parried Myrtle very neatly, I thought. I made it very clear to her that this is a free country. That the slaves were, uh, slaves were liberated by Abraham Lincoln in 1865. Oh, it seemed news to her.
4: Lydia, you're not very bright.
3: Well, what do you want me to do? Get down on my knees, wrap up my cook, and have her delivered to the Valentine's house with an apple in her mouth?
4: This is no time to be losing your temper. Don't you realize that, one, Valentine's dog food is my biggest account. Two, It means an extra million in advertising, which I may get tonight.
3: One, three years ago, when we wanted to spend our vacation on the island we bought, we had to go to Palm Beach because that's where Myrtle Valentine wanted to go. Two, whatever Myrtle wanted to do, we had to do it. Three, Myrtle is a jerk.
4: Oh. (laughs) But we got this house by going to Palm Beach that time, didn't we? And a half a million bucks more in advertising.
3: Yes, we got the house all right. But somewhere along the line, I lost you. Now, for heaven's sake, Tony... Finish tying your tie. Let's get downstairs to our guests and Myrtle the turtle. <laughs>
4: Fred, Myrtle, how are the Valentines tonight? Oh, wonderful, Tony, wonderful, just wonderful. And you and Mrs. Kenyon? Splendid, Fred, now that you and Myrtle are here. You know, Tony,
5: I was just telling Fred that the cooking here at your house is so much better than poor little me is able to provide. Oh, if I only had someone who could prepare food like this. Lucky, lucky, lucky! there goes Cookie. Oh, really, Tony? You've got a wonderful cook, Mrs. Kenyon, and she knows how I've been coveting and coveting, up. Um. What's her name, Mrs. Kenyon? Matty. Darling,
4: why keep the secret any longer? We might as well tell him now.
5: Tell him what?
3: As if I didn't know.
4: <laughs> I love her when she tries to be cute. You see, we remembered how you enjoyed Matty's cooking, and Lydia said to me, "Darling, why not ask Mrs. Valentine if she would like to have Matty?"
5: Well, I hardly know what to say. Mm,
3: I know what to say, but I don't think I better say it. Would you uh, excuse me for a moment? I just want to step outside and put a little ball and chain on our chauffeur. Hello. Hello.
0: Did you walk out on the anniversary party? Yes. So did I. Dull, isn't it?
3: I ought to know. I'm the hostess.
0: Oh? I'm sorry, but I'm worse off than you are. I came with Myrtle Valentine. Really? Yes, you know, the Duchess of Dogmeat. Her husband made 20 million bucks by finding out what to do with a horse after Bing Crosby's through with it. I amuse Myrtle occasionally. My name's Blake, Jim Blake.
3: Look, Mr. Blake, would you mind going away? I'm boiling mad, and I can't think the things I want to think in mixed company.
0: Oh, well, I can't leave a beautiful lady in distress. Here, why don't you slide into my car? We could go for a little ride, huh? Just for no particular reason, except that I've got a grudge against my (laughs) (laughs) A-card.
3: You know, I I think I'm going to like you.
0: You know, I doubt it. Any woman who's been married for five years doesn't really want to meet me. No, you just want to play at meeting me. You want to shoot the shoots and nibble on some popcorn... And then run home shivering gratefully about what you almost did.
3: Are you trying to tell me that you're
0: a wolf? No, no, I wouldn't say that. Of course, there is a bounty for my pelt in Wyoming. <laughs> Come on. A little ride in my car will cheer us both up. I doubt it. I think it will, because there's Myrtle Valentine looking for me. If we leave right now, she can see us going. You can give her a nasty little smile as we drive by. What do you say?
3: Mr. Wolf, I think you found a passenger.
4: Where in the devil have you been?
3: Oh, Tony, darling, forgive me. I've behaved atrociously. That's right. I was furious about the cook, and I went off with a man I hardly know, who means nothing to me, absolutely nothing, I tell you. He isn't even good-looking. I can't explain why I went with him. But, except that he's got ears like Frank Sinatra.
4: I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about losing Valentine's account. Myrtle saw you drive away with Blake, and he's her private property. I want you to get on that phone before that Valentine female gets to bed and apologize for your actions this evening. I want this mess straightened out before I lose that account.
3: Is that all you're losing? Well,
4: isn't that enough? Now, get over there. I don't know what you're going to say. That's up to you. And this is the beginning and the end of all that highfalutin, discontented wife business, too.
3: Mrs. Valentine, please. Make it
4: clear that the episode was innocent on your part. I will. And that you're never going to see that man again.
3: I'll make this apology good. Don't worry about your commissions, Tony. And after I leave, I hope you and your bank book will be very happy together.
0: Mr. Blake? Hey, hey, what do you mean barging in here like this? This is a law office. Are you Jim Blake? Well, if nothing's wrong, Where's my wife? How should I know? Did you look under the bed? I don't
4: get funny. Where is she?
0: Who are you? Kenyon. Tony Kenyon. Oh, Kenyon. You're the husband of the wife I was out with last night. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, she was in here just a minute ago. Oh, she was. Yes, chum. She wanted a divorce. A divorce? Because of you? Well, that may come later, chum. After all, how long can she resist these baby blue eyes? But right now, the lady just seemed to be unhappy. She didn't like the cigarettes, the whiskey, the soap, or Valentine's dog food. Nope, she wanted to have a look at the horizon. She wanted a future before her as wide and carefree as the open road. Without a Burma shave sign in sight. Do you understand what I mean, chum? I wish you wouldn't keep calling me chum. Okay, pal. <laughs> Shall we, uh, sit down and talk this over? No,
4: I'm going. But before I do, if there's anything else she said, I wish you would be good enough to lay it on the table and stick to the words, never mind the music. Tell me, did she, uh, perhaps suggest that I quit my job? Oh, you wouldn't do that, would you? Well, you think I'm crazy?
0: Well, to tell you the truth, it might help, pal. Spit in your boss's eye. Take your woman by the hand, climb to the top of a hill and say, look us over, moon. She's a woman. She's life itself, see? I've got hold of her hand, and I'm not going to let it go. She's a skylock. You're a cuckoo. (laughs) Maybe, but I got a lot of sparrows crazy about me. (laughs) Say,
4: maybe you'll give me an idea. She hasn't taken her clothes yet. I think I'll go home and wait until Lydia shows up and tell her I've quit my job.
0: Why, you wouldn't lie to the lady, would you? I wouldn't try that if I were you, pal.
4: All's fair in love and war, chum.
3: Theodore, Theodore, I want you to tell Mr. Kenyon that I...
4: Why don't you tell him yourself?
3: Tony, Theodore said you weren't expected home. I didn't want to see you again.
4: Well, I had to come home. I guess it's too late now, but I quit my job this morning.
3: You quit your job? Even Abercrombie soap?
4: Yep. And now I'm scared.
3: Tony, Tony, look at me. Well, tell me all about it.
4: Well, it was. Not much to tell. I knew if I loved you, I had to do it. It took a lot of nerve, too, but I I busted right into the boss's office. The president of Red Cap Cigarettes was there in conference, so I told him off first. How? I said, no wonder Red Cap Cigarettes won the Reader's Digest taste test. They taste (laughs) like the Reader's Digest. (laughs) He got pretty sore.
3: (laughs) I should think he would.
4: Then I said to the boss, now see here, Baldy. Baldy!
3: Oh, Tony, I wish I could have seen his face
4: You should have seen his head
3: <laughs> oh. oh, darling, darling, at last we're free That's all that was wrong between us Oh, it's wonderful to know that you don't have to go to the office in the morning
4: Well, 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 <laughs> that is, I, uh, I, I, I do have to go in the morning You, you see, although I, uh, I quit, it'll uh, take me a couple of weeks to get things straightened around You.
3: Oh, I understand Well, you just can't leave Baldy Flat
4: <laughs> Answer that, will you, dear? I'll be back in a minute
3: Yes, Tony Oh, hello, Mrs. Valentine.
5: How do you do, Mrs. Kenyon? Is there anything I can do for you? Plenty. I want to talk to you about Jim Blake. When you telephoned me, I was polite. I decided to wait until Jim Blake returned to our house and hear what he had to say. Well, Jim didn't return, you know it, and you know why. Mrs.
3: Valentine, I'm trying to be as nice as I can to you, but I'm wondering how long I'll be able to hold out. I don't think you realize who you're talking to. Sure I know who I'm talking to. Myrtle Valentine,
5: Miss Horsemeat Products of 1943. Now get out of here. Not until I'm ready. I give the orders, and unless you remember your place, I'll see that your husband's fired this afternoon. Oh, <laughs> so funny! Oh, for
3: your information, Tony quit the advertising agency today. What? Now get out of here before our Great Dane takes a bite out of you and gets his Valentine dog food direct. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony, guess who was at the door? Who? Myrtle Valentine. And, Tony, I have wonderful news for you. Yeah? What is it? You don't have to wait two weeks or even one day. You're fired. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? What? <laughs> give,
4: me, give me that again, slowly.
3: <gasps> well, she played right into our hands. I said exactly the right thing is to get you fired as of today. Now you're really and truly free. Oh, Tony, how does it make your heart feel?
4: I'll let you know as soon as it comes up out of my boots. Uh, maybe she's come back Maybe we can fix it up
3: Fix what up?
4: Hmm? I mean, uh Maybe we can get her to fire me as of yesterday I'll open the door
0: Oh, chums
3: Why, Jim Blake Oh, Jim, I wish you'd been here a moment ago Why? Because with Myrtle Valentine's angelic help I just got Tony fired as of today
0: Fired? Now, wait a minute Shut up, chum What are you doing here anyway? Why, pal, I came out to see my client, Mrs. Kenyon
3: Well, I, I, I'm not a client any longer, Jim Now that Tony has quit his
0: job, there's uh, no need for a divorce That remains to be seen So you quit, aren't you? Yeah, pal That's your story Something is very unkosher in the state of Denmark (laughs) What do you mean by that? What's your boss's telephone number?
3: Why do you want that, Jim?
0: I just want to call his boss, find out whether he actually quit his job or not I don't think he did What's the number?
3: It's Longacre, 59970. Oh.
0: Shall I call him, chum, or will you save me the nickel? No,
3: nope, you don't have to call him. You were lying to me, Tony. Yep. You hadn't quit your job. Nope. <laughs> Everything you said was a lie.
4: No, 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 no. When I said I loved you, I meant it. Are you sure? You shut up. Okay, chum.
3: Tony? You didn't do anything except lie.
0: All right. I lied.
3: Thank you, Jim, for getting here when you
1: did.
0: Oh, that's just the usual Blake service. It comes with every divorce, no extra fee. <laughs> but uh after the divorce, maybe I can give you a little more unusual service.
3: After the divorce, I'll probably want it.
2: So ends Act One of Skylark, starring Alan Jocelyn, Preston Foster, and Ginger Rogers. Before we hear Act Two, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther.
1: How long has it been since you looked at yourself in the mirror without benefit of makeup and been really pleased with the attractive, well cared for appearance of your skin? Do tiny lines and wrinkles show up around your eyes and mouth? Do you see little blemishes or an occasional big pore? Do you feel any little bumps, or does your skin have a dry, sallow look? Well, perhaps you've been too busy lately to give your skin the care it needs. Perhaps you've been too tired at night to follow the long, drawn-out, complicated beauty routine you thought was necessary to keep your skin clear, soft, and youthful-looking. That's why more and more women these days are so enthusiastic about the new, quick, improved method of skin care. The method that calls for just one cream to make their skin look smoother, fresher, and younger. Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream. And many of them write me that this one cream, so quick and easy to use, does more to keep them looking their best than all the other beauty preparations they ever used. Well, you see, Lady Esther Face Cream brings your skin four important aids to beauty every time you smooth it on and wipe it off. Here's what it does. First, It thoroughly cleans your skin. Second, it softens your skin, relieves the dryness that may cause little lines. Third, it helps nature refine the pores. And finally, it leaves a perfect non-sticky base for powder. So don't let neglect give your skin that dry, older look. Start using Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream. And remember, this one cream is all you need for the complete care of your skin.
2: And now Act 2 of Skylark, starring Preston Foster, Ginger Rogers and Alan Jocelyn. After Lydia got her divorce in Reno, she returned to New York and Jim Blake. And she and Jim were rapidly becoming a columnist's item when Tony returned from a sojourn in South America. The night Tony ship docked, Lydia and Jim were winding up a gay evening of dining and dancing. As the scene opens, they are just returning to Lydia's apartment.
3: Here's my apartment. Good night, Jim.
0: Oh, you've done better than that.
3: Have I? Is that better? Oh. oh, it couldn't have been that good. Good night, Jim.
1: Don't
0: you think I ought to step in and turn on the lights?
3: <laughs> no, thank you. I can find the light switch very easily by that gleam in your eye. Good night, Jim.
0: Good night, Lydia.
4: kind of late, Lydia.
3: Tony, get out of here. No, no, no,
4: no. wait a minute. I just got in from South America. Do you call this a good neighbor policy?
3: If you don't leave immediately, I'll call the desk.
4: Lydia, this divorce hasn't meant a thing. I still love you the same as I always did.
3: I'm sorry, Tony.
4: You were so right about me. I was whirling around in a vacuum. It's called competition.
3: Are you trying to tell me that you've changed?
4: No, I reverted to type. The type you seem to like so much. Have you noticed my fangs? Last night, I even caught myself howling at the moon.
3: Well, I'm no Little Red Riding Hood.
4: Jim Blake wouldn't believe that.
3: Jim says that as my ex-husband, you should change your views of the situation.
4: I have, and the new situation is very interesting. Our positions are reversed, and Jim Blake is now in a defensive role that Tony Kenyon, formerly
3: occupied. And so you're trying to be offensive. Well, you're doing very well.
4: well. Of course. You see, under the circumstances, I'm now Jim Blake. You know, you were a sucker not to take any alimony, Lydia.
3: I only wanted my independence.
4: Independence? Nobody's independent. No matter where you sit, there's somebody sitting one step higher. There's always a mezzanine.
3: I can see you've changed a lot.
4: Well, anyway, I want you to take this. It's the deed to our summer place on our island.
3: Oh, no, I... No, I don't want it.
4: Do what you want with it. Give it away, sell it, do anything you want with it that the FHA will let you. It's always more yours than mine anyway.
3: Yes, it was. It...
4: Lydia... Let's go up there. Now.
3: Are you trying to make me unhappy, Tony?
4: If I were sure you meant that, I'd go away. But I still love you, and I can't imagine anything without you. And you can't without me.
3: Tony, I look at you and I I see someone I used to know a long time ago.
4: Is that so? No effect whatever? None whatever. All the little things we had, the little half-dreams, the pieces of the future we saw together, etc.,
3: I've forgotten them. Even the etc.
4: I envy you. But have you forgotten this? No effect whatever, huh? Why,
3: well, it's just a habit. It's, it's an involuntary reflex. It, But it proves that I'm normal.
4: And that's the way I like. I'm normal.
3: <laughs> no, do
4: You mustn't forget, Lydia. It takes two to make a divorce, just as it does anything else. Good night.
3: Tony, Jim, why do the two of you have to follow me every place I go? Because Because I I love you. But but can't you leave me alone? No, I I can't, can't,
4: Lydia. Lydia.
3: Who do you boys think you are, the Andrews sisters? (laughs) I came up here to the island to get away from the both of you so that I could think things out calmly, sanely. Lydia,
0: what's there to think about? You know I'm the only man for you. I'll do anything for you. I'll even marry you. I tried that, chum.
4: I tried that, chum. It doesn't stick. At least it won't now that I'm around.
3: Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, why couldn't I have been born a flower that I wouldn't have to worry about a mate?
4: You'd like to live a heck of a life if there were no bees
0: around. Look, Lydia, why don't we go away? I've got my boat coming up. It'll be here in the morning. She
4: doesn't like boats. We went on one when we were first married and she got seasick on our honeymoon.
0: That I can understand. Look, why don't you beat it? I know she wants to get rid of you, pal. What do you mean by that, chum? Your coming back has spoiled all her plans for the future. Your coming back's made her unhappy. Isn't that so, Lydia? Yes. So why don't you like a good sport? Just go away. Evaporate. Vanish into thin air. If you're good at it, maybe I can get Orson Wells to saw you in half. <laughs> but, Lydia, I... She wants you to go away, chum. Is that what you want, Lydia?
3: Yes.
4: Then I'm sorry. I didn't know. Well, bon voyage, both of you. And I mean it. I hope you have a fine boat trip.
3: Oh, oh, Jim. I never was on a boat that rolled like this. I'm getting sick.
0: Gee, you really are sick, aren't you?
3: Yes, Jim. Sick of pretending, too. Look, please take me back to the island. I've already
0: changed course. We're heading back.
3: Jim, I know what I'm going to say is cruel and... and... No, no,
0: no. It's all right, Lydia, I understand. After all, the guy had five years to get you feeling this way about him. I wish I'd had a chance to start against him from scratch...
3: I'm sorry, Jim.
0: Here's the doc. I'll give you a hand up, and I'm going to head back out.
3: Well, I guess this is it, Jim. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. This is it. You know he'll jip you all over again.
3: Maybe. But once a sucker, always a sucker. Oh, I can't help it. I need him, Jim.
0: All right. But don't think I won't be back. Probably on your 10th anniversary. You'll really be needing some legal advice then.
1: (laughs)
3: Goodbye. Thanks, and all the luck. Turn your face this way.
0: Oh, you've done better than that.
3: Come back in five years, and we'll see.
0: Hey,
4: Lydia, Jim,
0: something wrong? Anyone hurt? Nothing but my tender pride. Well, well, what's this all about? My dream boat rocks too much. Lydia doesn't think it'll stand a long journey, so she's changed her mind.
4: Changed her mind? Lydia, do, do, do you mean that we... Well, that, that you and I will, will be Mr. and Mrs. Kenyon all over again?
3: Do you still want me?
4: Do I still want you? Does Mussolini want an aspirin?
0: <laughs> Boy, that's what I call a romantic speech.
4: You're in no position to be criticizing my romantic speeches, chum.
0: Maybe, but don't forget, the positions are reversed again. What do you mean? You're Kenyon again, on the defensive, and I'm Blake. Once more back on the offensive.
4: All right, You watch this defensive play. Lydia, come here. There. Now, does Blake stand any chance in this game?
3: Brother, not after that kickoff.
2: Thank you, Ginger Rogers, Preston Foster, and Alan Jocelyn for bringing us a most delightful half hour. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players were fortunate indeed in having you all with us tonight.
3: It was our pleasure, Mr. Bradley. We know that the benefits from these programs support the Motion Picture Relief Fund's country, house, and clinic, an activity that is vitally important to our industry. Now, before we tell you about next week's program, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty
1: authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Rogers. Ladies, how long has it been since you met someone who said, how wonderful you're looking? Your appearance depends so much on the condition of your skin. If your skin looks a little neglected, if it seems to have lost some of its fresh, young sparkle, people may think you're looking tired, even a little older. And it may just be your method of skin care that's to blame. You don't need a lot of different beauty preparations to have a fresh, lovely skin. Millions of women all over the country use just one cream, Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream. And I wish you could read the letters they write me. So many of them say that Lady Esther Face Cream helps make their skin look younger, clearer than it's looked in years. They like the way it freshens up their skin, clears away that drab, tired look you'll be thrilled, too, when you try Lady Esther For-Purpose Face Cream. It thoroughly cleans your skin. It softens your skin. It helps nature refine the pores. And it leaves a perfect, non-sticky base for powder. Just try Lady Esther Cream and see how soon people start saying, my, how wonderful you look. Next week,
2: The Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present one of the finest stories to come out of the war. John Steinbeck's dramatic play and motion picture, The Moon is Down. It will star Sir Cedric Hardwick and Louis Stone. Be sure to listen. Ginger Rogers is soon to be seen in the Paramount production, Lady in the Dark. Preston Foster can soon be seen in Guadalcanal Diary. Alan Jocelyn can now be seen in Heaven Can Wait, both 20th Century Fox productions. The radio adaptation of tonight's program was freely based on Samson Raphael's play and Alan Scott's motion picture treatment of Skylark. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. To help your government save tin, buy the larger size of Lady Esther face cream. And at the same time, you will save yourself money to invest in war bonds and stamps. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night.